And welcome to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. We are so happy to introduce our first national sponsor. They are Pair Networks, which is a web hosting company and a domain registration company. And they are a world-class provider of those services. And you can learn more about Pair Networks at Pair.com. Thank you very much for that support. We'll start today with just some news. And it's uh, been a very active week, as you uh, know, if you're watching the news at all. Uh, We've had uh, some uh, people falling off the uh, Trump administration. But this is a health care show. We talk about health care issues. And so... Probably the most important thing that we need to report on is the uh, revolt that is occurring within the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. If you remember the Freedom Caucus, these are the uh, 30 or 40 most rabidly conservative Republicans uh, who came out of the Tea Tea Party movement, and they have been just screaming and yelling for repeal of uh, what they call Obamacare, what the rest of us call the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. And so they are really upset because they think that uh, right out of the box, day one, uh, the Affordable Care Act should have been repealed, and who cares what happens to everybody? They they want it repealed, gosh darn it. So... Uh, Paul Ryan came out with the Republican leadership this past week and tried to put out that fire. And he had each one of the chair people from the various committees come up to the microphone for a minute. Um, The men wished their wives a happy Valentine's Day. That was important. And the uh, women did the same for their spouses and boyfriends. That was nice. And then they finally got around to talking about health care and they say, look, the important thing is we, they want to repeal the Affordable Care Act, but they want to take their time about it, and they're going to replace it in stages. Uh, they want to reduce premiums and deductibles. They want to make a coverage portable. Uh, they want to increase uh, the role of health savings accounts, eliminate health care taxes, return control to the states. They want to do that through block grants. In other words, instead of Washington saying, here's the money and here's how you spend it. They just want to say, here's the money. Now, how much money, um, that's sort of yet to be decided. Uh, They want something, they say, that works for everyone. They want to put control back in the hands of patients, they say. Uh, Paul Ryan said the most important thing is that we all have peace of mind and a stable transition and a step-by-step approach. And they also they all agree they want to eliminate government bureaucrats. And part of the way they do that is by putting everything in the hands of the states. Uh, they didn't explain how the states are going to do it if they don't use government bureaucrats. But apparently, the state government bureaucrats don't count. Uh, they also want to um, talk about uh, insurance. Uh, but not to control it or reform it, but rather to uh, give it a a, a wide-open playing field. Uh, Speaking of insurance, also in the news, we have the big Anthem-Cigna merger not happening, and it's not going to happen because a court ruled that it it would eliminate competition. And, of course, conservatives say they love competition, but they also love 
to uh, have big businesses merge, which of course creates less competition, but be that as it may. Uh, what the Republican caucus didn't talk about was uh, drug prices. And of course, just in the past week, we heard that Marathon Drug Company uh, increased the, the cost of an epilepsy drug to $89,000 per year, uh, despite the fact that you can get it in other countries for $1,500 per year. And this isn't some whiz-bang new drug that costs billions of dollars to develop, and they're trying to recapture that investment. Oh, no, no. This is um, something that's existed for a long time. So anyway, that's, that's some of the news. We're going to be back in just a few moments with the show, and it's a good one. So we'll talk to you soon. Stay tuned. Single payer is what it's called. You can improve Medicare for all. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food, cook it, store it, share it, just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com, brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Single payer is what it's called. Bottom line is and welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. I am Steve Larchuk, and Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk is made possible by a generous grant of support from Pair Networks, world class web hosting and domain registration services for customers around the world. Learn more at pair.com. I am Steve Larchuk, and I want to take just a moment here to uh, identify who I am and why I'm doing this. I am a healthcare lawyer and healthcare advocate for over 36 years, and I'm very happy to do this show because there needs to be some place, especially in 2017 of all times, where you can hear uh, calm, intelligent, uh, careful, and deliberate discussion of the important healthcare issues. Today, uh, a little later in the show, I am very happy to welcome Jason Kander from the state of Missouri. Now, some of you may uh, not have ever heard of Jason Kander, but let me assure you, you will. Uh, he is one of the hot uh, up-and-coming Democrats in the United States. He ran for Senate in the state of Missouri in 2016, uh, he's in a 30-something, something like 36 years old or so, and I'll let uh, him introduce himself a little bit when the time comes, but he almost won the state of Missouri. Uh, he actually led in the polls briefly, but then when everything uh, went the wrong way in the last few days of the election, uh, he lost by 3%. Uh, Secretary Clinton lost Missouri by 18%, so you can see how close it, it really was. So we will be welcoming him a little bit later. What I want to do with the next few minutes, though, is talk a little bit about the importance 
of single payer and why it is that business, small business, medium business, big business, business should be out front for single payer, whether it's Medicare for all or something like it. Uh, and that may shock some people that I even suggest that, but let me say that 2017 is the year that that can happen. I have been in business myself, many different businesses, and paid uh, health care premiums for employees for most of my professional life. And I can assure you that there is not a business person in the country who actually wants to be managing the health care program for their employees. It is uh, a complete pain in the neck, and it's also expensive. If you have a medium-sized manufacturing business, it would be quite common for you to be paying anywhere from 20 to 35 percent of your total employee costs just for health care insurance. That, that's brutal, and it's not, it's not just bad enough that it's that expensive, but you can't plan for it. Next year, it could be much, much more. And the year after that, and of course, business needs to plan, particularly a big business, needs to plan not just six months ahead. They need to plan six years ahead. So it's a major problem. If we went to Medicare for all, for example, which is something everybody understands, the typical business would drop their commitment uh, contribution to Medicare for all to maybe 10% of payroll. Now, that is a significant difference, and we'll talk at other times uh, in future programs about the economics, but let's just uh, take for granted for the moment that that's the case. Why would any business want to pay 20 or 35 percent uh, of the um, total payroll costs for health care when it really should only be costing about 10 percent? The other issue for businesses is they have to manage these health care programs. And if you've ever done this, every year you, you have to go back to the insurance companies and try and negotiate for your, your employees' benefits. And, of course, if you're trying to stay within a budget, there's only a couple of things you can do. You can either raise the bridge or lower the water. If you raise the bridge, that means you're going to have to pay more. Uh, it's pretty rare that the prices go down, although sometimes they do, but it's pretty rare. The other possibility is you lower the water, and that means lower the quality and extent of the coverages that you're providing, or you make the employees pay more. It's very common for companies to say, oh, yes, we cover our employees, but they don't cover the employee's family, or maybe they don't uh, consider same-sex uh, domestic partners to be part of the family or something like that. So it's always a complete pain in the neck to have to renegotiate every year a different plan and, and then have to face your employees and explain the bad news. So the other, the other situation for employers is that it costs an amazing amount of money to manage these programs through the Human Resources Department. If you have a, a group health care plan, and somebody gets married or has a baby or gets divorced, uh, then you have to change all of these uh, situations, uh, make all these adjustments, keep track of all of that. It's a human resources headache and overhead. If you're, if you're in business also, if you're in an international business like automobiles or steel or something else like that, 
you are competing with countries that have already figured out their healthcare situation. Countries like Japan or Great Britain or France or some of these other countries that are industrialized countries who figured out a long time ago that you don't want to put the burden of managing and paying for health care on the employers. It just uh, costs too much. It's inefficient. It makes no sense. American employers should be really out front fighting and fighting for a, a, a universal health care plan that they don't have to be involved with. Just imagine how much easier it would be to run a business if you didn't have to constantly do that. So we're approaching a break soon, but we still have a, a little bit of time to talk about something that's a hidden benefit, and that is the improved productivity that business will see with a universal plan like Medicare for All. If all of your employees are getting the health care they need, then they're going to, frankly, not be dealing with the kind of chronic illnesses that, that represent a lot of absenteeism. And since women typically are the ones who are the chief health care officers of their families, when, when a child gets sick or a husband gets sick or something like that, it disrupts the woman's ability to go out and, and earn a living as well. It, it, it interferes with her ability to move into a, a higher management position because she's got one foot in the household and one foot in the job. And it's, it's something that people don't think about. And, and we really need to start thinking more broadly about health care, the impact of the health care system we have, and how much it really costs. And if, if we could just simply move to a Medicare for all type system, it will be an incredible improvement for employers. Competitiveness will skyrocket. So when we come back, we are going to have Jason Kander, and I really encourage you to stick around for that. This is a person who you will be hearing a lot of over the next four years, and you may even see him on the ballot at the top of the ticket in 2020. So I'm looking forward to that, and stand by. is what it's called. Bottom line is Medicare for all. Single-payer is what it's called. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. By 2035, nearly half of all Americans will have cardiovascular disease, according to the American Heart Association. In a new projection released on Valentine's Day, the group says it expects broken hearts to cost the nation and its medical system a trillion dollars a year at that point. Shane Mandel of Suffolk says too many folks are likely to go through something he knows firsthand. A year and a half ago, he went to the emergency room with chest pain and heartburn. The doctor there asked him a question. So when did you have your heart attack? And I looked up at him and I said, what are you talking about? I've never had a heart attack. But he said, no, you've had a heart attack in the last 10 days. And at that point, the world just totally changed. Mandel and the Heart Association say the U.S. needs to ramp up research and encourage a culture of healthy living, both of which will help the nation prepare. 
American Heart Association President Stephen Hauser says Congress also can play a role keeping the current protections in the Affordable Care Act in place so people with pre-existing conditions don't lose their health insurance. In my view, we cannot afford to be complacent about these projections. If they become a reality, a serious health and economic crisis is on our horizon. Mandel says the Heart Association wants to see increased funding for heart-related research through the National Institutes of Health. I'm alive today because of research. Continuing to fund research is a crucial step in getting people like me back to their lives and preventing the disease from ever becoming part of another person's life. According to the American Heart Association, the death rate from cardiovascular disease rose in 2015 and 2016, reversing steady declines dating back to 1969. For the Virginia News Connection, I'm Dan Hyman. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food, cook it, store it, share it, just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com, brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Today, Today we, we decided decide to, to walk, walk to school. school. The, the light counted. 15, 14, 41, 31, I mean 13. We, we took a, a left, left on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, so but he gets distracted. Oh, I realized he forgot his homework. I, I hope, hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. And welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and I'm delighted, just delighted, to have as our very first guest for the program, Jason Kander. Jason, are you there? I am. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, you're more than welcome. I'll give the the, uh, listeners just a little warning that you, uh, ironically, are recovering from a flu, or something of that sort. So if you start hacking or something, we'll all understand. But yeah, I, uh, it won't be. It won't be just a clever commentary on uh, GOP healthcare policy. It, it's I'm actually uh, have the crud. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's just uh, educate the listeners a little bit about who you are. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked a thousand times about the famous advertisement you did. But before we get into that, let me just tell the audience that. Uh, you went to Georgetown University uh, Law School, is that correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. And then you also were in the military. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your military background? Sure. Um, so I uh, you know, went into – so I was uh, going to school at, um, in, in D.C. when 9-11 happened. And uh, up until that point, I always thought about joining the military. But it was sort of in the um, maybe one day category. I don't know if I'd ever – 
would have done it uh, had 9-11 not happened. But um, that day, like a lot of people in my generation, I just decided, you know, this is something that I needed to do. And uh, and so that's what I did. I, I uh, enlisted into the uh, Army National Guard. And then um, while I was in law school, I did ROTC. Uh, and then I became a military intelligence officer instead of becoming an Army lawyer. I uh, became a military intelligence officer, went off, got trained for that, and uh, and then volunteered to go uh, and then did some other work, but, the, but volunteered to go to Afghanistan and did um, anti-corruption and anti-espionage investigations, among other things, within the Afghan government uh, as a military intelligence officer in Afghanistan. And then uh, came home and um, <clears throat> uh, was in the Guard uh, in Missouri and uh, was an instructor for officer candidate school. I was a, for about three and a half years, I was a combat leadership instructor. It was a great job um, and uh, and really enjoyed it. Got out in 2011. And as uh, I understand it, you were a captain when you left yeah. and separated. Are you still with yeah. the National Guard? No, uh-uh. Um, I got out, uh, got out at the end of 11, and uh, uh, and now I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of the thank you for your service conversation, and, and I, I never really understood it while I was in uniform because I just felt like, you know, my friends are doing the same thing. I didn't feel all that special. And now, you know, I'm, it's funny, once you get on the other side of that and you go from being the protector in your mind to being the protectee, you, you instantly get why people were saying that, and, and now every time I see somebody, I'm, I'm thanking them for still doing what I'm not doing anymore. You uh, ran for office in Missouri and were in the state legislature for a while, and then you ran a very successful race, although it was a close one, to be Secretary of State of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I was uh, elected Secretary of State in 2012. And then you decided that that job wasn't big enough for you, so you decided to take on an established Republican in Missouri, and you ran in 2016. And to say you were a long shot in most people's eyes would be uh, an understatement. What what made you think you could win in 2016? Well, you know, uh, every every race I've ever been in, I was not supposed to have any shot. Um, you know, when I ran for state representative in, in 2008, uh, I, I was a three-way Democratic primary, and um, everybody, you know, I was 27, and everybody kind of said, you know, nice young man, probably going to come in a distant third. And uh, and then I personally knocked on 20,000 doors and ended up winning a three-way race with 68% of the vote. Uh, and then got reelected in 2010. And then 2012, you know, everybody said I had no shot to win a statewide race. Um, and uh, ended up winning and becoming the first uh, member of the millennial generation elected to a statewide office in the country. Uh, and so then when it, when it came time to consider what to do in 2016, um, you know, I a lot of people... Um, just figured, and honestly, for a good part of my term, I figured that I'd be running for re-election. It, it, it had been a hundred years; still has been more than that now since uh, um, since a Missouri Secretary of State had lost their re-election bid. Um, and I, uh, I just, you know, it was clear to me that um, that that was probably very likely to be successful if I did it. Um, and I really liked the job; it was a good job, it was a big job, big staff, a lot of responsibilities, um, but. I just looked at what I saw in Washington and thought that a new generation of leadership was needed. And for me, I, I've not really made my decisions based on whether you were likely to win a race. It was, and, and in general, I've never run for an office because I wanted to be that thing. Um, I, I really have this philosophy of life of, that says, you know, you figure out what it is you want to see change in the world and you go change it. And what that comes down to is I believe in spending my life doing something, not trying to be something. And there have been a few times where um, the thing that I wanted to do, the thing I wanted to change, what was between me and that was 
being elected to an office. And so those are the times that I've decided to run. That's what happened there. So you decided to run for the United States Senate. And I was doing some research in preparation for this interview, and I see that some people accused you of being a new version of a blue dog Democrat. Uh, (laughs) Did you hear that criticism? Yeah, it was always funny, you know. Uh, Everybody kind of wants to project an image onto you. And and I suppose when you are a a white guy with a military background um, from a state like Missouri, uh, people just assume um, that you must be some kind of conservative Democrat. Um, but <laughs> there wasn't a lot of evidence to point to, and I, I didn't spend any time telling people that I was a conservative. Um, and, in fact, uh, the Republicans spent uh, a literal record in our state amount of money telling people that I was, in fact, not. So um, uh, so I always find that kind of interesting, um, that people people have a tendency to, to assume that everybody kind of follows the same pattern uh, of what they've seen in the past. And the truth is that, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a progressive who, um, you know, set out in that race to prove that you could do well in a red state by making a progressive argument if you did it in a way that was really honest and genuine. And uh, and even though we, we didn't win the race, you know, we, we lost by three points on the same day that uh, Secretary Clinton lost the state by 19, um, you know, outperforming by a net 16, I, I think demonstrates that, um, that our strategy uh, of just being honest and true to ourselves is a good one. Well, it was especially heartening that you didn't run from the Affordable Care Act. You uh, articulated your support for it, uh, and right. also uh, Planned Parenthood. You supported Planned Parenthood. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I believe that people don't have to agree with everything you say as long as they know that you're being genuine, and they and this is the other really important part, and they know that uh, whether they agree with your conclusion or not, it's important that they know that they are a part of your calculation like they that they that wanting to help them as a part of why you believe what you believe so um you know i would tell people all the time when the affordable care act would come up in the campaign i'd say look um, these guys have been saying for years um, these republicans that they want to get rid of it they don't have a plan to replace it and yeah like any other law it's, it's not perfect there are things that can be done to improve it but why don't we start working together to try and make those improvements as opposed to just getting rid of the thing altogether and when you put it that way, people tended to agree. And as you're seeing now, uh, where people have really, I mean, at this point, Obamacare is more popular than Donald Trump. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's clear that, that that's how folks felt then, and it's how they feel now. I think athlete's foot is more popular than Donald Trump <laughs> right now. That's fair, yeah. Uh, possibly, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a little research. I looked up uh, Richard Nixon's popularity the day he resigned. Uh, he mm-hmm. had a 24% approval rating. When he resigned, Richard Nixon. So uh, uh, Mr. Trump is uh, is zooming down to that level. Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I I want to just point out to people that if if your name sounds familiar, if you seem familiar, probably one of the most played advertisements of 2016 was you blindfolded uh, assembling a a military-looking rifle and simultaneously talking about the importance of uh, reasonable background checks so that we don't have terrorists purchasing these weapons. And it was just an amazing thing to watch. And, I mean, the the legend is that you did that in one take. Is that true? It is true. Um, but to be to be fair, and I've, as I've always pointed out before, is that uh, I, I got it on the first take. I don't know which take they used um, <laughs> because, you know, 
the uh, what happens is you know they you get it and then they're like okay we want to do something we want to try something else with the lighting and okay now this time say it this way and you know so I don't know which take they use but yeah I was pretty proud that I got it on the first take I mean honestly uh, you know any anybody who was in the service for long enough and, and, and spent enough time you know out in the woods in the dark cleaning their weapon uh, has the muscle memory to do the the assembly part of that all right well, uh, jason so we have to break let me just interrupt you we're going to take this okay. short break just stand by and we'll come back to you in just a few minutes bottom line is medicare for all single payer is what it's called new and improved medicare for all The parents of children with disabilities who need around-the-clock supervision are urging Washington state lawmakers to pass bills that would make it easier for them to take a break. Eva Guntala takes care of her adult son, Mike, with developmental disabilities, who uses a wheelchair. She describes some of the responsibilities parents have as care providers. It is a job that you have to do all the time, 24-7, because they can't be left alone. So you have to supervise them when you're not feeding them, dressing them, cooking, cleaning, bathing them, taking care of their hygiene or any of their medical needs. The House bill is scheduled for an executive session in the Committee on Health Care and Wellness today. The shortened training hours would apply to respite providers who work fewer than 300 hours a year. Guntala says parent providers gathered last summer to talk about their common barriers and identified the availability of respite care as the biggest issue. The state grants hours for respite care, but parents often have a hard time finding providers. Guntala says parents end up spending hours explaining a child's specific needs, so having online training for respite providers would be especially helpful because it could be customized. If you have a child who has diabetes, then you can tell your respite provider, okay, I would like for you to take these two classes on diabetes. And if your child has autism, then you can tell your respite provider, I would like for you to take these three or four classes on autism. Gontala says the legislation hasn't faced any opposition in Olympia. The shortened training hours have been vetted and approved by a number of organizations, including Washington's Department of Social and Health Services, the Developmental Disabilities Council, and SEIU 775, the Care Workers Union. For Washington News Service, I'm Eric Tegedoff. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. 
or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't, it's too heavy. Oh my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here. Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looked, I love you, Justin. I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And today we have with us Jason Kander, who is from the great state of Missouri and a leader in progressive politics. And we've just been chatting about his election efforts in 2016. He narrowly lost to Senator Blunt in Missouri, uh, despite the fact that uh, Mr. Kander uh, plainly supported the Affordable Care Act and Planned Parenthood and uh, the right of women to choose, which you would think would um, make it an uphill climb uh, in Missouri. We're going to talk a lot about health care here with uh, the time we have, and, and we like to have a nice leisurely chat on this program, Jason. I hope that's okay. But I, I'm all about it. <laughs> okay, good. But I, as I was preparing for this interview, I noticed something kind of odd, you're you're one of two uh, superstars from Missouri. There's a fellow named Eric uh, Greitens. Is it Greitens? Your your new governor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he's a little bit older than you are, but he was a Navy SEAL and and uh, ran for governor and and won. And uh, I'm a little curious about that. Is is Missouri going to be the the birthplace of uh, future leadership? Oh, you know. I mean, I'm always biased to say that Missouri is the birthplace of everything really great, including the best barbecue in the world. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I know Eric. Uh, obviously, he's a different party, and we disagree on a lot of stuff, um, but, uh, but we get along well. Well, here's, here's why I bring it up. Uh, the governor has been writing some books about uh, being a humanitarian, Yet I understand that he has made it very clear that he is not for the expanding Medicaid in Missouri, despite the fact that uh, under the Affordable Care Act, the federal government will provide uh, the funding. And as a result, about 100,000 people in Missouri are going without any access to health care because of, of politics and uh, the governor's uh, uh, belligerence on that point. Is that true? Do I have my facts right? Yeah, and uh, and it goes back to, it goes back a few years now with the Republican legislature. Uh, essentially, what happened is that, um, it, like in a lot of states, Republicans were, uh, you know, a lot of states like Ohio and other places, even Indiana, where they expanded Medicaid and said, you know, okay, they didn't like the Affordable Care Act, but they weren't gonna they weren't gonna turn down health care for their citizens just uh, because they didn't like the president. Um, well, that's the direction things were going in politically. Uh, at the when that when the ACA was being debated, uh, that's the direction things were going in Missouri. I can remember being in the state house and a bill to um, to set up an exchange in case the ACA passed uh, was passed unanimously in a Republican-controlled state house. And then I remember in my Secretary of State's race in the in the Republican primary to choose who was going to run against me. Uh, a, a candidate who ended up not being the nominee, but was a state senator, uh, 
ran an ad against the candidate who did become the Republican nominee and was a state representative and so was in the House, talking about how he had supported the Affordable Care Act in, in this unanimous vote because it was never voted on in the state Senate. And uh, and after that, I don't know if that was the catalyst, but after that, the Republicans in the legislature in Missouri, it became this political litmus test where they couldn't support anything, having anything to do with the Affordable Care Act, even expanding Medicaid, which, you know, as you pointed out um, at the time, something like 96 percent of the money was going to be tax dollars that were at the federal level that had already been sent there by Missouri taxpayers. And we weren't getting them back, but they were they were fine with spending them in Iowa and Illinois and other places. And uh, what I said at the time and still believe is that, you know, that was the best deal for Missouri since the federal government bought our state from France for three cents an acre. Uh, But they decided that, you know, politically, they would rather make a statement about not liking the president than they would um, actually give health care to their constituents, who, by the way, were working. These were not, this is not a welfare situation. These folks are working. And um, I think it's despicable, frankly. Well, I I saw that many states, I think 19 states, uh, the most uh, noteworthy being Texas, have persisted in their refusal to expand Medicaid, notwithstanding the fact that it would have cost them almost nothing to do that. And in Texas, for example, it's some 600 or 700,000 people who have been going without access to health insurance because the leadership in Texas just doesn't want to give in to the concept that that healthcare is a human right and it's better to just let people suffer. Uh, it's I don't know how they frankly shave or look themselves in the mirror, uh, knowing that there are people suffering, even dying, uh, because of their political views. It's just unconscionable. But let's well, let's say let you had one. Let me add one thing. Oh, sure, go ahead. Quick, which is that it's it's not just that. Uh, it's not just that it wouldn't cost the state money it, uh, substantially, but it's more than that. It's states like Texas, states like Missouri have literally already paid for this. They've already – everybody has already paid their federal taxes to pay for the money that would be spent in their state for Medicaid. They, you know, they've paid for all of it. Their, their taxes don't go down when they, don't, when they refuse to do this. But, in, but states like Texas, states like Missouri, the leadership has decided we would rather pay for people to get health care – in other states than to get health care in our state because we're paying either way, and that's to make a political statement. And I think that's truly ridiculous. So let's uh, let's play a little what-if game. What if you had won and you were in the Senate? What sort of program would you be pushing for right now in terms of health care? Well, you know, look, I think it's, it's really important, just as I felt during the campaign, there, there are things that can be improved about the Affordable Care Act, and that's where I think the focus ought to be. Um, I'm open to other things, but I think that that's probably the most likely to happen right away. Um, you know, other people have other policy ideas. I'm not against those. I just probably would have put my efforts into the quickest thing that we could do to uh, to improve it as quickly as possible. So that's several different things. I mean, you could do things like you could um, remove uh, or you could like increase the amount uh, that a small business can have in terms of the number of employees they can have and still take uh, um, uh, take advantage of the small business uh, exemption um, on the tax. You could um, fully fund the, the uh, FDA's Office of Generic Drugs in order to uh, help try and bring the cost down. You could allow negotiation um, on drug prices from Medicare. So I think there's a lot of things that could initially be done, and it's a shame that they're not happening. 
Well, it's interesting that the Republicans just the other day uh, came before the the media to talk about all the things they wanted to do to uh, replace health care, the Affordable Care Act, never even mentioned the cost of drugs. And as you have been noticing, I'm sure, uh, the drug manufacturers are going crazy. They think that it's it's now a license to gouge the public in unconscionable and unbelievable ways. And it's amazing to me, you served in the military, but it's amazing to me that as a government, as a country, we believe it's, we have the right to take some mother's son or daughter and draft them into the military and expose them to death, potentially. But we're really, we really get very worried about stepping on the toes of a drug company that may have a patent on a drug that could save millions of lives or help millions of people, but we want to be very, very careful about their economic rights. Well, it seems to me if we can take land for a highway, if we can take somebody's son or daughter for the military, it, we can certainly look a drug company in the eye and say, hey, you can't get away with this. If you if you are going to gouge people and, and literally put their lives in jeopardy, we're just going to go ahead and make the drug and you can sue us in court. Uh, Jason, what I want to do here is uh, we're going to take a break shortly. And when we come sure. back, I'd really like to hear what you're up to. I've been doing oh, some sure. research and you're, you're into so many things and you're in such demand. Uh, once again, it's, it's a thrill to have you on the show with us. This is, as you heard, this is Healthcare Politics. My name is Steve Larchuk. We're going to break here briefly, and when we come back, we'll hear more from Jason Cantor. Single payer is what it's called. You and improve Medicare for all. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Today Today we we decided decided to to walk to school. The The light counted. 15, 14, 14. 31? I mean, 13? We took, took a left, left on, on Carroll Street. Street. Danny's smart, so but sounds. he gets distracted. I realized he forgot his homework. I hope, I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. 
This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. And we're back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. And today we have with us Jason Kander. And I'm, I can only assume that you, that Jason honesty was taken. So you got Jason Kander instead. Yeah, yeah that's that's uh, a pretty good name for a politician to be uh, Jason Kander. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's um, interesting what you've been going through here and you're, I'm sorry to, if this sounds uh, demeaning, it certainly isn't meant to be, but you're only in your mid-30s, is that correct? Uh, I don't take it as demeaning. I, I figure when I get, to, that's right, I mean, I'm 35, and I figure when I get to the point where people no longer mention my age as notable, uh, I'll notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that may not happen for a while because you've got a very youthful appearance. I'm not even sure people would guess you're 35, but you know, 35 is an interesting age because that means you're eligible to do something else. Rent a car. Yeah, well, I was thinking a little bigger than that, something like a run for president. But we'll we'll talk about that uh, shortly. But let's um, let's talk about what you're up to. You after the November election, you probably did what the rest of us did and went under the bed for a while. But uh, you've been up to other things. So why don't you share with our listeners what you're up to now? Well, actually, you know, I, yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I spent about a day kind of trying to figure out, you know, be reoriented uh, like the rest of us did. Um, and then after about 24 hours after the election, I just sort of realized, you know what, we got a lot of work ahead of us. So we better, we better get started. And, um, you know, I'm a former chief election official in Missouri. I was the secretary of state. And I'm really bothered uh, by the president uh, lying about voter fraud. And that's what it is. I mean, people have other churched up names for it, but the truth is, um, that's what it is. I mean, he, he's just made up the idea of all this voter fraud and illegal votes. And, and everybody assigns that to, uh, his own personal insecurities. Uh, and I'm sure that's part of it, but the reason that his party lets him get away with it. And the other reason he's doing it is because if he can put out in the ether, the idea that this, you know, massive voter fraud is a problem when it's not, uh, it makes it a lot easier for Republicans to pass the voter suppression laws that they've been trying to pass all across the country over the last decade and, and have become a central part of their electoral strategy. Uh, and if he can do that, then he can make it a lot harder for folks who don't vote for Republicans to vote. And really, that means it's all about his reelection campaign. And uh, I just happen to be somebody who believes that no matter who you're voting for, if you're an eligible voter, you should get an equal chance to vote as everybody else. And and so uh, – one of the problems we've had is that, you know, or the problem that we're presented with now is that we've been able to mostly hold these laws back in most places, uh, those of us who support voting rights, uh, 
by uh, challenging them in court, and usually successfully. Well, now the Department of Justice is switching sides. Jeff Sessions is head of it, and it's no longer going to be on the side of voters. It's going to be against them. And President Trump is appointing the judges. And that means that it becomes suddenly very urgent, very important that those of us who support voting rights and oppose voter suppression uh, begin to wage and win the political argument uh, in this space and, and start to win the public debate. So that's what, what, what uh, we're doing. I started Let America Vote, which is a national organization. Uh, folks on our advisory board include people like Martin Luther King III, um, Josh Ernest, um, Celeste Richards, so, uh, or Cecile Richards. Um, and uh, and it's, it's going um, extremely well. Uh, we've just received enormous support for it already. It's just a little over a week old. And I'm really excited to get to go all over the country and take on these fights that we really haven't been pushing back against at any point. Well, voting is the sacrament of our democracy. And anytime anyone wants to mess with it, I think it's incumbent on all of us, no matter what party, to fight back ferociously, not just sort of uh, work around the edges. So thank you so much for what you're doing. So you... You didn't have busloads of people uh, being shipped from one state to another state in Missouri last year? Is that how you got so close? You had people coming over from other states in buses? Yeah, I mean, that's, you're obviously referencing um, Stephen Miller's absurd uh, lie on the Sunday shows this past this past weekend about New Hampshire. Yeah, um, it's really incredible what they're doing, right? The I mean, the answer to your question, obviously, is no. And uh, the audacity of what they're doing is to just decide that if they keep telling the same lie over and over again, um, then people will start to believe it. And, and frankly, they're right. I mean, if they keep, if they keep uh, lying like that unchecked and unchallenged, um, then that's what will happen. And that's why we're out there calling them on it. Now, I understand you've also been added to the board or the leadership group of the political action committee that supported Hillary Clinton's campaign. Is that true? Yeah, so Priorities USA is a super PAC that, um, after the election, made the decision to dedicate uh, all of their focus and their energy and their resources to um, funding uh, legal and legislative challenges to voter suppression laws. So at this point, you know, it has nothing to do with presidential candidates and anything like that. It's, it's, it's solely Priorities USA is now focused solely on that. And since Let America Vote is um, focused on making the political argument and sort of the public debate uh, approach, uh, Guy Cecil and I, Guy Cecil's the head of, of Fridays USA, felt that uh, both organizations were vitally important and that it was also really important that um, we not uh, waste any energy duplicating one another's work. And so um, so he joined my advisory board and, 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 uh, and I joined the, uh, the board of, of priorities so that we could team up. Well, with the time we have left, I just wanted to uh, mention a little bit of, about you personally. Uh, I understand uh, you have a family. Can you tell the, the listeners about your family? Sure. Um, so my wife, Diana, and I uh, met when we were 17. We met uh, as seniors in high school and have been together ever since. And uh, we have a, a son um, who, his name is True. He's three and a half. And uh, he actually, at the beginning of this week, um, I had to take him to the doctor because he had this virus that I now have. He's all better, and uh, and now I have it, which is you know just having a kid. And uh, this morning I, I he's obviously I'm a big big fan of his. And this morning I was leaving, and uh, and he said, Daddy, do you got to go to work? And I said, Yeah, I got to go to work, buddy. And he said, 
why do you got to go to work? And, uh, and I said, well, I got to go help people. And, uh, and he said, you know, he's three and a half. He, he thought about it for a second and he said, well, who's chasing them? <laughs> mm. and, uh, and I just thought that was really, I don't know, to me that was really adorable because, you know, and when you're three and a half, you watch cartoons and you read you read children's books. Like usually, if people need help, they're being chased. <laughs> so, well, this may be an odd comment from a talk show host to make to a, a young father, but um, I'm an old gun, an old hand, and I I raised a couple of kids myself. Nothing, there's nothing in the world better than that. But as you look ahead and as you travel around doing all this wonderful work that you're doing, uh, please, please, please uh, find the time to get home and uh, be with that uh, three-and-a-half-year-old son. Sounds like uh, he loves you and he'll need you, and we, we tend to forget about that. We just uh, take politicians and we chew them up and spit them out without the slightest regard to who they are or what they stand for. Jason, thank you so much for taking time. When you're sick, thank you, when you're sick and uh, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to tell us and maybe help if people like what they heard today, uh, where can they learn more about you and the things you, you're working on? Thanks. Well, they can go to letamericavote.org, uh, and they can find uh, they can find me on Twitter at, at Jason Kander, K-A-N-D-E-R, or, and they can find Let America Vote there at uh, at let underscore America Vote. So, um, but the quickest way is just to go to letamericavote.org, and um, I really appreciate the time uh, that you gave me to talk about it. Well, you're so welcome, and we're going to end the, this uh, chat, and thank you so much. Uh, this is... Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. If you want to get the podcast, go to our website or go uh, to Union Edge, and you can pick up the podcast of this. Looking forward to our next uh, show, and we'll be back in a moment with uh, just a few parting thoughts. So thank you so much, and thank you, Jason Kander. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo! Justin! Look at us! We're over here! Justin! Justin! OMG! He just looked... I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times? 51. 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow, right where you live? that it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. 
It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Single-payer is what it's called. And welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. And we have just had an a very interesting interview with somebody that we're going to be hearing a lot about over the next few years. Uh, I know years from now I'll be looking back thinking how lucky we were that we uh, were able to get Jason Kander on the show uh, when he was still just uh, sort of a pop in national politics. So this is uh, this has been great. Thank you very much to Pair Networks, our national sponsor, uh, World Class Web Hosting. And if you want to learn more about Pair Networks, please go to Pair.com. I wanted to thank the people here at the Union Edge Media for everything they do. Uh, we need to give Mike Stout proper credit for his music, which he has so generously allowed us to use without royalty. Thank you, Mike. Uh, your song is an inspiration. Next week, join us. We're going to be talking about healthcare politics every week, and it's just essential that everyone get involved, that you start talking around the water coolers and over the dinner table, and this is the place to come if you want to hear intelligent discussion. So, thank you so much for joining us. Please do go to our website, which is healthcare-politics.com. There you can listen to the podcast. You can share the podcast with others. You can also see how you can help us. This uh, show is not free. Uh, there are some overhead expenses, and although I'm happy to donate my time, we do have some expenses to put the show on, and the more support we get, uh, the better job we can do, the more outreach we can have, and the greater impact we can have on this incredibly important discussion. So thank you very much. We will see you next week on Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Bottom line is Medicare for all. Single payer is what it's called. New and improved Medicare for all. What well, other dirty little secret all over this land? A free market monster with invisible hands. Thousands sick and dying cause they got no covers Our neighbors and friends, our sisters and brothers 
Employer insurance with millions unemployed or working minimum wage where they got no choice. The only place without universal care. Rest off, get it. What the heck's a problem over here?